0: you <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, the Langer and Holy Land's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Gene Ross, joined, as always, by Josh Dooley. Um, and you may be a little bit confused this week because there isn't a, an Ohio State game to preview this time around. But nonetheless, the, the, the Hangout in the Holy Land boys are back in your ears to give you more Ohio State football content. And so while Ohio State is on their bye weekend, there isn't a game this weekend to look forward to. We are going to kind of look back through this this first half for Ohio State there. The scheduling gods were nice enough to give Ohio State a exactly mid-season bye week. Six games before, six games after, the Buckeyes are obviously a perfect six and zero heading into this bye week. There are six more games to play on the schedule, including a couple of big ones that we're going to talk about here. But me and Josh are kind of just going to run through the season so far, talk about what we've liked, what we haven't liked. We're going to run through kind of position by position here, um, then just discuss what we've seen so far, what we want to see moving forward from some of these positions and some of these guys in particular obviously health has been an issue we're going to talk about that a bit as well but Josh you know just overall before we get into the nitty-gritty here how are you feeling at the midpoint here for this Ohio State season how is it compared to kind of your preseason expectations of what we see from the Buckeyes and just where are you at in terms of Ohio State both in just the terms of them as a team but also in the grand
1: scheme of college football I would say I'm feeling really good at this point I, I think Ohio State has outperformed my expectations but on the other hand their opponents have sort of underperformed so there's still that little part of me that's like hey are we going to beat everyone by 30 or 40 points or is, or is this something a little bit fluky the scheduling gods as you referred to them maybe they did us a favor in the first half but like we've talked about in another podcast or maybe multiple podcasts Notre Dame was expected to be good. And now they've won a number of games in a row. Maybe they figured it out. They beat BYU. Wisconsin was expected to be good. They weren't. They fired their head coach. But at the end of the day, Nick Herbig's a great player. They've got a good defensive line and experienced secondary, even if they're new. So those two teams in particular, you know, they're kind of falling back to the pack. But they those were sort of early season games and a lot to sort out. I, I still would probably give ohio state an a if not an a plus based on this performance so far because they have looked so so dominant i expected some tough stretches we haven't really seen that outside of the first half against notre dame i wasn't sure what to expect from the defense they've been lights out they have far exceeded my expectations so in totality the team has exceeded my expectations i'm still a bit bummed that we haven't seen them at least be tested but you'll take a 30 40 point victory all day every day and the confidence has got to be sky high so hopefully that propels them through the second half of the schedule.
0: Yeah, I got to say I'm I'm pretty pleased. I think they've performed about as well if not better than my expectations coming into this season. Um, I, I think the offense, you know, we kind of talked about in our in our preseason preview here, like we kind of just assumed that Ohio State's offense would would hit the ground running and not miss a beat despite missing, you know, a pair of first round NFL wide receivers. And honestly, that that has been the case. You know, they're number one in the country right now, averaging 48.8 points per game. You know, guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mekka Buka have been tremendous, even without Jackson Smith and Jigba, who we'll probably talk about when we look forward to the second half. But the, the passing offense led by, you know, the second year of, of C.J. Stroud as a starter has been phenomenal the run game has been much better than it was last year between both Trayvon Henderson and Mayan Williams. The, the offensive line has been great. So I think the offense overall has been, you know, has, has exceeded expectations, even though the expectations were already very high. And then on defense, I, I you know, like you say, they haven't really played a, a very, you know, an elite offense so far this year, and they might not in the regular season at any point. But nonetheless, I think this unit has far exceeded expectations. You know, we, we saw, you know, they, they obviously added Jim Knowles for a reason, and it was to try to turn around this defense as quickly as possible. But we didn't really know how quickly they could do that given kind of the talent they already had on the roster we kind of were down on a bunch of these guys from what we've seen from them over the past few years but I think that coaching was just a huge issue with a lot of these guys because we've seen you know none bigger than Tommy Eichenberg who we're obviously going to talk about when we get to the defense Um, a lot of these guys that maybe underperformed to start their careers are performing at a very high level now and it's been you know tremendous we talked at the end of last season how we think that if ohio state just had you know a top 50 or a top 60 defense it would have been good enough to win a national title and you look at some of their metrics this year they're 16th in the country in scoring defense allowing 15.7 points per game they're seventh in the country in yards per game with 20, 253.5 um and so their their defensive metrics are great and when you put that together with you know the country's best offense at this point uh, there's not a lot to not like here it's it's not obviously it's not all perfect it's never going to be at the end of the day these This is a college football team. These are college athletes. You're never going to have a 100% perfect team, or it just, you know, that just wouldn't happen. It's not realistic. But at the end of the day, I just don't think that on an, on an, uh, not not like a position by position basis, but just on the team as a whole, it would be really tough to expect much more. And kind of like you said, Ohio State has taking care of business in every game they've played. Other than the first half of Notre Dame, they've pretty much blown everyone out. Um, And they're really the only team in the country to do that. You look at the other favorites, Alabama, Georgia, even a team like USC, all of those teams have had their struggles in one week or another so far. And we just haven't seen that from Ohio State. It's been double-digit wins, nothing but double-digit wins, mostly by 20-plus. And and I think at the end of the day, you look at the first half of the season as a huge success. There's a ton to build on. There's obviously some areas that need to be improved. There's some guys that they need to get back healthy. But I don't know how you could look at this this team as an Ohio State... State fan and not be extremely pleased with what we've seen through the first six games of the 2022 season.
1: I I look at it in terms of gambling, right? If somebody had told you before the season, hey, through six games, Ohio State's going to have the 15th or 16th ranked scoring defense. Are you interested in putting down a big sum of money on them to go the distance and win the national title? I'd say yes. I'd say take my money. So that's probably the most pleasant surprise. But all across the board, like I I don't know if this team has a disappointment or a disappointing aspect to their game. I'm sure we'll talk through that between each other and maybe figure it out. But, um, yeah, like I said, A, A A-plus for me. And credit to the new coaches, too. Not just Jim Knowles, but also Perry Eliano and Tim Knowles. Or, I'm sorry, Tim Walton. And also Justin Fry with that offensive line. A lot of guys that we maybe were unsure of or even down on have – Risen to the occasion and played quite well. So you're getting good, consistent performance across the board. And that's really all you can ask for through a handful of games.
0: Absolutely. And I want to do, uh, you know, I don't want to spend too much time here on any individual position, but I do want to go position by position here. Just kind of talk about some of the stars at each spot, talk about what we've seen from each guy, kind of how they've how they've performed to this point. So obviously, you know, it's easy here to start with the quarterback, uh, CJ Stroud, very lofty expectations coming into the season, the Heisman favorite. And I think to this point, Josh, he hasn't really done anything to, you know, to give up that crown just yet. You look at his stats here, completing over 70% of his passes for over 1,700 yards, 24 touchdowns, just 3 Three interceptions, just phenomenal numbers for the second-year quarterback here. Um, over ten yards per, per attempt, almost eleven yards per attempt, an average of thirteen yards per uh, per you know, you know catch. Uh, just just a tremendous season for for him so far. He's had you know a, a couple of, of misplays here and there. You know the three picks, um, two were just bad decisions one was a miscommunication so really not like he's like struggled at any point really just that first half against notre dame when he was you know understandably missing his top receiver that they had game plan so heavy for um i don't really know how much else we could say about cj out at this point but he has been a true he's been a treat to watch he's made pretty much every level of throw he's hit the short he's hit the intermediate he's hit the long he's done everything well we still haven't seen him run the ball at all really but we we don't really need it at this point i think he is what he is he is a pocket passer and I mean that in a, in a good way. Even when the pocket collapses, he's able to get out of the pocket. It's not like he's a statue back there. He is able to move around, extend plays with his legs. And while he isn't maybe taking off and running with it, he is still extending those plays and getting the ball downfield and finding the open man. So all in all, I, you know, Stroud has been as advertised, if not better. And I think he is still, at this point, very much the Heisman front runner.
1: Absolutely. And I want to hit on the running aspect of it before I forget. You're right. He hasn't done much on the ground. Um, he's been credited with 10 carries for four yards. I don't know if that includes... The sack yardage or not but he's at least shown a willingness um you know to both move in the pocket but also get outside and maybe be a threat I think we talked about it against uh Rutgers he may have had a sneak and like a three or four yard carry that's all I need I just need other teams to know that at some point if absolutely needed or called upon, C.J. Stroud will tuck it and run. I think that he has that ability. We we saw it his first game ever as a Buckeye, right? Forty some yard touchdown run. So we know he has that in the bag. He just never needs to pull from it, and I'm okay with that because less risk for injury and all that good stuff. But as far as a a passer, I expected C.J. Stroud to be great, but there was still some like trepidation. With the loss of Chris Olave, I wasn't sure how quickly things would gel and come together. We saw the Rose Bowl, but we talked about it earlier in the season. Utah was playing a running back at cornerback, so I was like, Yeah, you know, we'll see. And you're right, as advertised, if not better, and that's without Jackson Smith and Jigba. So He gets a ton of the credit, but it's probably equal, in my opinion. The new starters, those other wide receivers, deserve plenty as well, whether that's Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, and now Julian Fleming, and even Cade Stover uh, at tight end. This passing game is absolutely humming. It is, uh, I don't even think it's arguable, the most explosive passing game in the entire country by leaps and bounds, head and shoulders above the rest, They have been phenomenal, and I know they haven't played the toughest opponents. But again, I go back to, like, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is not a bad football team. Perhaps they were poorly coached, but they've got a bunch of veterans, a really good defensive coordinator who is now their interim head coach, and C.J. Stroud put it on him. He lit it up, and he found a way to win a game without JSN week one when he really could have been kind of thrown off base, off kilter. So he has been an absolute 10 out of 10. When it comes to quarterback, the only thing that you'd maybe like to see is some more Kyle McCord or anybody in mop-up duty prove that they can push the ball downfield. But as long as C.J. Stroud remains healthy, knock on wood, uh, you couldn't ask for anything more.
0: Yeah, I think at this point we've learned that Ryan Day just simply hates using his backup quarterbacks, and it, and it kind of is what it is, but I think that's a, a story for another day. You brought up C.J. Stroud's um, kind of his supporting cast through the air here, so let's talk about those wide receivers. Um, if you would have told me, Josh, that through six weeks of the season, Jackson Smith and Jigba had four total catches for 36 yards, I think that Ohio State probably switched to a, a you know a triple option team. They're running the Army offense. Um, wouldn't really know what was going on there, but obviously he has
1: missed most I of the I probably would have been crying. If that makes you feel better, it would
0: it would look really bad. And you know, obviously, uh, JSN has not played because of that injury he suffered in the first game of the year. But the supporting cast around him has done phenomenal. Um, You look at the main trio of guys here: Amecha Ibuka, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Julian Fleming. All three have been phenomenal this season. You know, Ibuka and Harrison have really been the two stalwarts of this team. Um, Ibuka leads the team currently: thirty-five catches, six hundred fifty-five yards, and six touchdowns. Harrison right behind him: thirty-one catches, five hundred thirty-six yards, and nine touchdowns. Fleming who has played in only four of the games, 15 catches for 222 yards and five touchdowns. So at least five scores from all three of those guys, they've really picked up the slack without JSN. I think all of them, have really performed really great. You know, Ed Buka has looked very much like a Chris Olave type player. He's got a lot of of Chris Olave in him. He's been really good at the kind of the catch and run, the yards after catch kind of player. Marvin Harrison Jr., exactly kind of who we thought he would be, kind of that go up and get it guy at six foot four, making just some absolutely insane catches week in and week out. And then a guy like Julian Fleming, who, you know, much to Josh's delight, has just been a touchdown machine so far in his first real healthy season at Ohio State, or at least since he's been (laughs) healthy this season. Um, You know, you throw a guy like Cade Stover in that mix at tight end, Who's had a much bigger impact than we maybe expected? 16 catches, 206 yards in a pair of scores, and you have a, a solid core four there that Ohio State's run out there every week, and they've done a great job of getting open, of catching passes, and making big plays in that passing game. So while C.J. Stroud has obviously been a, a the, you know the the train that drives this this offense, um, these receivers deserve a ton of credit, and to you know to come out here to replace two guys as talented as Olave and Wilson without missing a single stride is just some super impressive stuff. So, you know, credit goes to Ryan day's offense credit goes to Brian Hartline helping develop these guys, but not a ton to, to dislike here about this passing offense other than the fact that, you know, JSN hasn't been back, but hopefully we will see, you know, more of him as the second half commences after the bye week.
1: So I think typically when four or five guys, even pass catchers exceed expectations, that's, you know, Usually, the result of one or two or three guys coming out of nowhere, and that's really that hasn't been the case with Ohio State. You can make the argument for Cade Stover, but it seems like they've just decided to use the tight end differently. I, I won't. I don't think that he's more talented as a pass catcher than Jeremy Ruckert. They've just decided to, you know, place an emphasis on that position and get him the ball. But the other three, the three main wide receivers right now. We saw what Marvin Harrison Jr. and Ameka Egbuka did in the Rose Bowl last year. Julian Fleming, to uh, you know, a lesser degree, but they hadn't started. They didn't have a whole lot of catches throughout the year, throughout their career, even for Julian Fleming. And so you knew what they were capable of. But in my opinion, they have still all exceeded expectations, and that's really um, sort of different to see with such a, a high number of guys. But Yeah, I I talked about it before. Marvin Harrison Jr. is that big physical monster. He can go up and get it. He can bully opposing DBs and then make some really highlight level catches. Emeka Egbuka, like you said, sort of a Chris Olave clone out of there. I talked about it on a previous podcast. When it, it it dawned on me three or four games in, when I saw him running across the field with ball in hand, wearing that number two, I was like, you know what, Gene and whomever, they're right. Like that's that's who he looks like is Chris Olave. And then Julian Fleming has finally started to make good on his kind of recruiting profile and his earlier prowess, right? He just – he hasn't been healthy. He hasn't had the opportunities. And he was banged up to begin this season. And I was like, man, are we going to go through this again? But he got healthy. He got right. He – You know, presumably worked his tail off and he's a great complimentary piece right now who could probably be a 1A or 1B elsewhere in the country. And maybe he still is that down the road. I'm not going to put a ceiling on what he can do. He just hasn't played as much as the other guys this year. So. When you've got that many options and guys like Jaden Ballard just kind of sitting out there who again, it was against backups, but seven catches for a buck thirty in a touchdown. You know he's explosive, you know he's got that track speed. And even a guy like G Scott Jr., they're they're like and, and Xavier Johnson, right? So they're like five, six, seven guys deep that we know of. Have we seen them all play against the ones? No, especially not in the case of Jaden Ballard, but we saw his explosive ability. So you just, you know, I personally, I cannot have more confidence in this pass sketching group. Even if a guy does go down, you've got JSN coming in as the Calvary, right? So I think they're just, they're in a perfect spot right now, health permitting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you talk about a position here that maybe is, is perhaps deeper than we expected, I think the same could be said about the running back position. You know, we kind of thought going into the year that this would be the Travion Henderson show, you know, his his chance to really shine as as the top guy in, the, in this offense. And, you know, we, we had heard rumblings of Mayan Williams and we had seen flashes of Mayan Williams last season. But I don't think anybody really expected him uh, to put on the type of performance he's put on so far. Really just this two headed monster Ohio State has had at running back throughout this season. Nearly equal carry numbers at this point in the year for both guys. Both guys had missed one full game, so they both only played in five. But Williams with 64 carries. Henderson with 69 to the year. So pretty much an even split. And you have here Mayan Williams. Mayan Williams, yeah, I know, nice. Mayan Williams, 497 yards, eight touchdowns. Trayvon Henderson, 436 carries, 6.3 yards per carry, four touchdowns. Um, just, you know, he's Mayan Williams, 7.8 yards per carry to Trayvon Henderson, 6.3. I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Plus, Mayan Williams doubling up Henderson and touchdowns. Both guys have been very good. But as we discussed previously, you know, Mayan Williams has arguably been the better of the two running backs. He's looked more you know comfortable in this offense. And Trayvon Henderson is coming off a a very nice game against Michigan State, where he was the, the lead back without Williams in the game. But nonetheless, I think that both of these guys serve a real purpose in this offense. I think both have been tremendous. I don't know, you know, if, if there's a true packing order at this point, I still think Trayvon Henderson as, you know, as the higher recruiter of the two is probably in line as the running back one, but it is a very tight race right now. And Mayan Williams has made every stake as the top running back on this offense, but I don't think either way you go, you could really go wrong here. Both of these guys have looked excellent in their, in their opportunities. Ohio State's run game as a whole has been excellent. We'll talk about the offensive line here shortly, but I think that you have to be really happy with what we've seen from our Ohio State's run game this season especially based on the last couple of years where maybe they lacked a a little bit in the toughness and in that power running aspect that certainly has not been the case this year you know Williams and Henderson have both broken a ton of tackles they both made something out of nothing on more more occasions than one so I think you know you talk about how good these wide receivers have been but I think that their jobs have been made a lot easier by how good the running attack has looked for Ohio State with both Mayan Williams and Trayvon Henderson in that backfield
1: absolutely it all works together right there's a level of cohesion and balance there but It's like, um, I'm sorry, Tony Alford said, I think that Ohio State does have two starting running backs right now, whether it's Travion Henderson or Mayan Williams, in any order you want to put them, they are both capable of getting the yards they need. They're both over six yards per carry. They've got a nose for the end zone when called upon. So from Travion Henderson, I think kind of, you know, to be expected, right? This is what we saw last year. He hasn't broken the big plays like he did in 2021. That's actually, Mayan Williams actually has the long play from scrimmage between those two guys with his long touchdown run against Rutgers. But you can't go wrong with either option. And now I I think they've sort of started to level each other out. I, I don't know that Travion Henderson had the same physicality last year. And he looks really good this year, running between the tackles, running up the gut, specifically against Michigan State. He looked really good, really physical. He initiated contact. Mayan Williams has gotten in really, really good shape. We didn't know how explosive he was. He had the seventy-yard touchdown run. He's breaking tackles left and not right. He refuses to go down. But it seems like he has added a little bit of uh, quickness, quick, quick twitchness to his game. And you can even throw Dallin Hayden in there, right? As the third stringer, 250 yards through five games played, you know, 50 per, right under five yards per carry. You'll take that all day long as your third option if and when they need him. So a great running attack. This is, uh, I wouldn't compare it apples to apples to like J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber. I, I don't know that either one of these guys is as good or as talented right now. As J.K. Dobbins, but in my opinion, they're both above that Mike Weber level. So you've really got a double barreled attack. And I think that regardless of the opponent, they can sort of pick their poison, whether they need the home run threat or the more physical back. They can kind of experiment. And more importantly, give these guys a breather, give them a game off. You know, it seems like Travion Henderson. Wasn't super banged up against Rutgers. I don't know. We still don't know about Mayan Williams and the extent of his injury or non-injury, but they've had the luxury or the benefit of sort of easing off the gas a little bit and throwing in the other guy when needed to hopefully keep them fresh. For the long run and continue to run all over these Big Ten teams.
0: Yes, and of course the rushing attack and the passing attack would not be nearly as efficient if it wasn't for a dominant offensive line to start this year. Um, I think Justin Fry deserves a ton of credit for this season for how he's put together this offensive line. I do think the players deserve a ton of credit as well. I also think moving forward with an actual offensive line made up of of two tackles, two guards, and a center instead of just a bunch of offensive tackles probably plays a a big hand in that as well. But nonetheless, just from you know from left to right, these guys have been tremendous. Paris Johnson Jr. Donovan Jackson, Luke Whippler, DeJuan Jones, and Matt Jones um, ha- have been tremendous this season. You know Johnson and, and Jones at the uh, DeJuan Jones, I should say, the two Joneses uh, have been tremendous at offensive tackle. The guards Jackson and, and Matt Jones have been great. You know Luke Whipple at center has been a stalwart there as well. So just a really strong unit. I think they've only gotten better as the years gone on. I think we talked earlier in the year how you know the pass protection looked good, but the run blocking could still use some work. And I think that is that is totally. I wouldn't say it's flipped because I don't think the pass protection needs any work now. But I think their run blocking has been excellent, which is something we haven't really seen in, in a couple years now from this Ohio State offensive line. And I just think as a unit, these guys are really coming together. They're starting to you know know each other's strengths. It always takes a little bit for some new guys along the front to gel, and I think they're definitely doing that now. They have another week to work on that during the bye week, but I, I don't think there's a ton of ton of like negatives to say about this offensive line. There hasn't been one guy that struggled. There hasn't been, you know, a ton of pre-snap or you no know, motioning flags of late. So I, I think all in all you have to be very impressed with this offensive line in their in their first year under Justin Fry.
1: I have one retroactive complaint actually and it's got nothing to do with the guys this year. I think they've been lights out, but the fact that Paris Johnson Jr. ever took a snap at guard now retroactively frustrates the hell out of me because he has been so good at left tackle. You can tell that he was born to play that position the bookends have been outstanding DeWan Jones is just you know he's a, a physical specimen unlike no other and so I think it it starts with those guys but the players on the interior have been just as good I mean Matt Jones sort of a you know unsung hero kind of guy. He was not the highest recruit. You didn't always hear him talked about. Um, He's filled roles here and there, kind of just doing what's asked of him. He's been really good. I think that Donovan Jackson is making good on his recruiting profile as a five-star guy. No complaints there. And Luke Whipler is helping to hold it all together there in the middle. So I I don't know where all the credit goes. Uh, A bunch of it goes to those guys. They have worked on their games, honed their crafts. They're balling out right now, but you also have to give some credit to Justin Fry, too. Uh, started with two tackles who played tackle, filled out the rest. He's coaching those, those guys up, and they're just bullying people. Even a team like Wisconsin, look, we know where they're at right now, but they've got some experience, big dudes up front with that 3 4 sort of defense that they run. They even got pushed around. So at this point, I don't know that there's an opposing defense, whether that's in the Big Ten or, or wherever, that instills fear into you if and when they were to play ohio state you know i still I don't want any part of Will Anderson Jr. That's a different conversation for a different day. But you can line up any four or five guys across from this Ohio State defensive lo- or offensive line, and I'll take the Buckeyes each and every time.
0: Yeah, I was going to say I'm still a little bit scared of Will Anderson, but that is the like you said a, a conversation for <laughs> another not, day. Right? Yeah, scary, scary man. Very good football player, but nonetheless, um, we'll talk a little bit more bit more about this offense and kind of what we're expecting moving forward uh, after we touch on kind of what we've seen from the defense. Flipping over to that side of the football, I want to start with what has perhaps been the strongest unit on the defense so far this season, and something that's a, a bit of a surprise if you would have told me this was the strength of this Ohio State defense. I probably would have told you you're nuts in the preseason. Uh, how about those linebackers, man? Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers yeah, have, have actually... Cut, turned out to be a, a phenomenal duo for Ohio State at that linebacker position. Both have performed extremely well. Those are your top two tacklers so far throughout the season. Um, Tommy Eikenberg currently leads the team with 50 total tackles, six tackles for loss to go on, along with Two and a half sacks. Steel Chambers behind him, 31 total tackles, four tackles for loss, and one sack. Um, they both have their differing strengths. I think Tommy Eichenberg has been great as kind of that run stuffer up the middle. He's been great at, at being that that line of defense in the middle of Ohio State's defense. He's been a great quarterback of the defense, kind of helping guys move around. He always seems to be in the right spot. He's made a ton of plays. He's been a very sure tackler. Really a huge step up from what he looked like when he first stepped on Ohio State's campus. So shout out to him for his you know continued development and, and becoming a, a true star on this Ohio State defense. And then a guy like Steel chambers who you know as it as it would make sense since he was a former running back he has been really good at least in my eyes at getting to the edge and making you know one-on-one tackles in space he's a quick guy He's been making good decisions. He's been wrapping guys up, making just like Eichenberg, been a very strong tackler. And so I think both those guys bring their own strengths to this team, and I think both have played really well. And I think switching to the 4-2-5 was a great move for Ohio State. They obviously don't have the probably the linebacker depth they would like to have, but the top two guys have been phenomenal. They've they've had the most of the first-team snaps at those positions, and I've really liked what I've seen from both Eichenberg and Chambers. And out of nowhere, Ohio State's linebackers look really, really good.
1: It's nice to have some linebackers, and you don't want to – sort of crap on guys who played in recent years i even look at a guy like pete werner balling out the nfl baron browning is apparently you know the next coming of von miller or something he's a great edge rusher now it it seemed like ohio state could never figure out to what to do with those guys but by bringing in jim knowles who is a linebacker whisperer or expert whatever you want to call him and combine that with his scheme, just his knowledge of the game, his preparedness, all that good stuff. These linebackers have been really good. They've been really solid. And while it's only been two of them really sort of on the field for the most part, I even like what Cody Simon has offered in in a smaller sample size. But you're right. It starts with Tommy Eichenberg. He is the quiet leader, the quiet storm of this defense Nearly 10 tackles per game. He's going to be the quarterback. I did not expect him. I, I don't think I expected him to be this, you know, accomplished pass rusher or blitzer, but he's got the two and a half sacks and he leads by example. He's not the most vocal guy. His teammates, his coaches have all sort of uh, given him a hard time there, but he helps that entire unit front to back get set. Get prepared and you know get ready for the next play. So you cannot speak highly enough of Tommy Eichenberg. I know we started the hype train last year with his huge Rose Bowl, but I think he has elevated his game even more. And the same thing goes for Steel Chambers. We're talking about a converted linebacker. He only has the 30 tackles, but he's not missing them. He is a good guy in space to have. He has the interception, four tackles for loss. So a nice complimentary piece if you want to call him that. I think those guys are just asked to do different things at different times, but there is like a level of consistency in the middle of the defense that we have not seen in recent years, and that's a good thing to have. You don't want to worry about the missed assignments, the guys who bite on the play action or unable to cover a tight end, what have you. There are no real concerns there right now through six games, and I feel like they've seen a number of different sort of Opponents and offenses, so they should be prepared for anything that's thrown their way, even if it's executed at a higher level. So I feel really good about those linebackers.
0: Yeah, I think consistency has been key pretty much across the board for this Ohio State defense. And, you know, a big part of that consistency has been the linebackers' ability to work in tandem with this defensive line, especially in stopping the run. We've seen, you know, throughout this year, Ohio State's run defense has been phenomenal. You know, they've gone up against some really good rushing offenses and, and stopped all of them. Um, and, and a lot of that starts with the front four. Ohio State's, you know, defense line there you know we're going to talk in a little bit you know kind of what we're looking from looking more for for the rest of the season but just so far this season Ohio State's run stopping from up front has been excellent um, pressuring the quarterback could be a little bit better but I think the guys up front have done a good job you know maybe not getting home and getting the sacks but they've had pressure they've stuck to their gaps they haven't let you know guys escape you know the the, the one blip on the radar is probably Daquan Finn of Toledo who was able to evade them a little bit but I think overall a strong star for the defensive line you know Michael Hall, Uh, Michael Jr. has been a star for this defensive line, seemingly out of nowhere from his defensive tackle spot. Leads the team with 7.5 tackles for loss, 4.5 sacks. You know, um, I think Jack Sawyer and Jade Tumaloa had both performed, you know, okay. I don't think they've quite hit their ceiling just yet. I think that we could expect to see more from them. We'll talk about that in a bit. But overall, I think the defensive line has looked good. I've liked how they've used um, Zach Harrison a bit more as of late as a defensive tackle. I think he's better suited in that role. We've seen how good he is as a run stopper, and so whether you put him outside or inside, depending on how a team likes to attack in the run game, I think it's good to move him around and, and have him in the best spot to make some more tackles because I think that is more of his game rather than. And, you know, a guy that's going to rush the quarterback. I think he's more of a a run stuffer, another sure tackler out there. So he's another good guy to have. You know, the other guys that have rotated in have done well. You know, we've seen a little bit of Caden Curry, not a ton, but he's performed well in limited opportunities. A guy like Javante Jean-Baptiste has performed well in limited opportunities. You know, guys like, you know, a Teron Vincent or even a Jaron Cage up the middle has also looked good. So a lot of guys rotating in and out on that defensive line. I think all, at least, you know, most of them have, have performed pretty admirably. And while the numbers maybe aren't there from a sack standpoint, I think that the defensive line has at least played, you know, good to this point, even though there is still room for improvement.
1: Yeah, it's not just the sack totals. It's, you know, Jerron Cage has three tackles on the year. JT Tui Malau has seven. Uh, Let's keep going. Zach Harrison with eight, Teron Vincent with seven. So the numbers in general aren't there, but that's sort of a good thing because they're helping the entire defense get off the field. And yes, they have not had the quarterback sack totals. But you're right. The pressure has been there. The hurries have been there, especially with uh, JT Tui Malau. You know, I'm working on a piece where I argue that he is the most held like per play per capita player in college football. Uh, He's seemingly clotheslined on every rush he has, but they're executing, right? They're carrying out their assignments. The numbers aren't explosive. They're not there yet. But, you know, teams have not had many prolonged drives against them. So it's tough, especially when you know, you look at a guy like uh, Braylon Allen, right? They, Wisconsin fed him the ball. Tommy Eichenberg dominated that game. I think he had 10 plus tackles. The other guy, the defensive lineman, they didn't have much to really kind of speak to, but they did limit Braylon Allen while he was out there, with the exception of that long run. So they're 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 clogging it up. They're taking up blockers. They are setting the edge, whatever you need them to do, they're doing it. And the stats haven't necessarily reflected that. But I I don't think that you can really make an argument that any of these guys have performed poorly. If anything, they've performed at or above expectations. And I think the numbers will come. The stats will come. It's just been a result of either very short drives, really Short drives, period, right, whether that's getting the opponent off the field or letting them score via long touchdown, which I know we'll unfortunately talk about. This defensive line is probably right where it needs to be, and I think we we should all have a lot of confidence in them for the rest of the season and moving forward.
0: Yeah, we will, we'll definitely talk about them a little bit more in a second here. But just finishing out the rest of this defense here and moving to the secondary. Gonna. I, I wanted to talk about the secondary as a whole, but we really do have to split it into two parts between the safeties and the corners because I think the levels of success between the two positions have been greatly differing um, starting with the safeties here we knew we knew coming into the year that Jim Knowles was going to deploy this three safety system something Ohio State has not done before um, and so far you know so far so good for this unit you know that all the guys pretty much that have played in that secondary at the safety position have performed really well I think for the most part you know the starters we've seen have been Ronnie Hickman Tanner McAllister and then either Lathan Ransom or Josh Proctor I think all four of those guys have performed well in spurts I think they've been you know pretty consistent back there you throw in a guy like you know a Cam, a Cam Martinez back there well we haven't really seen uh much of uh what's his face who am i thinking of here the uh, well, who is the uh court Court williams who else you're looking for court williams was a guy we expect to see more at the same position he's been he's been banged up but the guys that have been out there pretty much all five of them that we've seen have all performed really well and i think the safeties have been another strong area of this defense they've been you know they're not over there all ball hawking even though you know Three of them do have picks in Branson, McAllister, and Hickman. Uh, it's three of the four picks the team has, the other, the fourth being Steel Chambers. Um, they've been good in pass coverage, but I think they've just been what you want from safeties. They've been that last line of defense. They've been also sure tacklers. I think tackling has been a huge emphasis to this offseason for Ohio State on the practice field. And I think that's you know a big reason why the defense has looked so much better is just because they're, they're tackling so much better. Um, but I think a lot of that's been from the safety position. Those guys have been in position, they're making plays, they're not letting guys get past them. We've seen a couple of long touchdowns, but it's, you know, it's usually not um, the fault of the safety, or at least it hasn't been most of the time. Um, I think those guys have played really well. And I think that between, you know, safety and linebacker, those have been two of the, the stronger units on Ohio State's defense. And once again, that isn't something we could have said in the past, especially not last year or the year
1: before. The safeties, in my opinion, have been steady. So we're sort of living in the alternate universe of what we experienced last year with Bryson and Shaw and some of those other guys. And again, you don't want to harp on all of them because I think a lot of it came down to coaching but these guys are well positioned they're making plays when they're called upon you know you think about Tanner McAllister with the great pass breakup uh, against Wisconsin that was a really nice play Josh Proctor has played pretty well I think in his return he's a pretty physical presence Latham Ransom probably your rangiest guy at this point your best, uh, I would call, center fielder, even if he's not out there on every single snap. But yeah, it's it's similar to the defensive line. And really, the defense as a whole, Like the numbers aren't great, but it's because they're just not out there. They're getting teams off the field, doing what they need to do. I look at Ronnie Hickman. He has 23 tackles through six games, and he's played damn near every snap. That doesn't mean he's doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean he's missing assignments or missing tackles. He just doesn't have to be that cleanup guy that he was last year. And I think that there are probably some tricks that Jim Knowles also still has in his bag, specifically with these safeties, that we haven't seen yet. Because I don't think he has needed it, but... If they're called upon to blitz, we know Ronnie Hickman can do that. I think Tanner McAllister, Lathan Ransom, Josh Proctor, they can do that too. If they go up against one of these high-flying passing offenses, I think all of those guys in some sort of combination are capable of being the center fielders, playing good pass defense. They played against vanilla opponents with vanilla offenses who can't push the ball down the field that well. But as long as they're prepared and mentally ready, which I have confidence that they are, and I have no doubts about this safety group
0: yeah me either however we look at you now here we flip the page to the other part of this Ohio State secondary oh, and probably the, probably the, the last least impressive part of this entire Ohio State team surprisingly somewhat has come from the cornerback position you know it was Ohio State had a long-running tradition of, of really star NFL caliber cornerbacks the last you know couple years until the, you know probably last year or the year before um really you know since uh since Jeff Okuda, there hasn't really been much else out there you know seven banks we thought would be something he wasn't you know Sean Wade really Fell off the boat after his first season, but you know this year coming in, we thought Denzel Burke would be the guy back there, and he, you know, to this point, he really has not been. You know, this to their credit, you know, this cornerback room has been really beat up at points so far this year. You know, Denzel Burke has missed games, Cam Brown has missed games. You know, they've been without Jordan Hancock the entire season, so a lot of the guys that are you know we're expected to produce coming into the season have either you know missed time or not performed up to expectation. Burke's fall off has been concerning. He's looked a little bit better the last few weeks, but he's still not up to what we you know saw from him in his freshman season. Cam Brown kind of the same. He's been banged up a little bit more than Burke has, but even when he's on the field he hasn't been all that impressive. You know, we've seen limited limited of J.K. Johnson, Jair Brown. They've been fine, but nothing spectacular. And so, if there is a, a hole in this Ohio State team right now, it is this cornerback position, a position which coming to the season already wasn't very deep. There's not a lot of bodies in that room, at least scholarship bodies. Um, and so, I'd say that's probably the biggest area of concern right now. And I don't think It's a huge, you know, we talked about the defensive metrics earlier. It's not like Ohio State's letting up a a ton of yards through the air every game, but it is worth noting that the corners have, you know, not played up to expectations so far. They haven't been the world's best unit. Josh and I talked about it on our Michigan State preview where, It's not really Michigan State recap, I should say, where it's not really an an issue of guys missing assignments or, you know, letting guys beat them. They're just they're not making good plays on the ball. And I don't know what the the issue is there, but it's definitely a noticeable issue. It's a frustrating issue for this Ohio State defense thus far. And while everything else, you know, on both sides of the ball has gone well, I think the really the biggest glaring weakness right now is this cornerback room. And I don't really know what's going on just yet.
1: Absolutely. And if anyone, you know, were to argue with you on that, they just they haven't watched Ohio State play football. So it's been really odd, right? Like we had the expectations for Denzel Burke, but now it's it looks like it has the last handful of years and it's not due to losses per se. It's not due to a guy moving inside or moving outside from the inside like Sean Wade. They just they haven't played that well, but I'm trying to take an optimistic point of view with this position group. Yes, the depth has clearly hurt them. You know, they're out there even in blowouts getting reps trying to, you know, stop second units and things like that. That can't be that can't be easy, that can't be a whole lot of fun. Same goes for the banged up guys. You know, I'm sure that the second and third stringers if they had them would love to be out there. Ohio State just doesn't have that luxury right now, but to your point, they have typically been positioned pretty well they have just been unable to make plays on the ball and hopefully that comes with time I I think that with cornerbacks it's often like one of two things right they're either making a bunch of interceptions and a bunch of pass breakups or they have this glaring weakness and they're getting beat and they're getting kind of put out there on center stage to be exposed and that I think is what we've seen you know the latter but the opponents haven't been great. Maybe they will step their games up and look, quarterback sucks to play, man. Like the wide receivers on the other side, they know where they're going. You don't. And it's one of the hardest things to do that and quarterback for my money. So it's certainly not easy. And yeah, I think Denzel Burke has looked better these past couple of games. Cam Brown, he got pulled. He committed a stupid penalty against Michigan state, but you know the the two big plays that he gave up they were really great throws and great catches from Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed so i am hoping that if they if they've looked bad 20% of the time that just means we haven't had their eyes on them the other 80% you know so i'm still optimistic i'm taking the optimistic point of view with these guys but at some point they're going to be tested and they're going to have to pass that test and i think that eventually comes probably first against Penn State but you'd like to see them play really well against a team that is capable of throwing a forward pass. Uh, unfortunately, the schedule has not necessarily dictated that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I think this is a good place to kind of start our, our look ahead. We're not going to do too much here just so we don't have you know an hour and a half long podcast. But I think corner is a good place to start here. Um, Josh, what do you think? happens here, you know, coming off the bye week, we are expecting to see Jordan Hancock's return. And I'm not going to put a ton of pressure on a kid who hasn't, you know, played any really meaningful reps in his Ohio State career thus far. But you're throwing a new body into that room. If Ohio State, I don't think we're, you know, Ohio State's corners aren't going to struggle against Iowa because Spencer Petras is probably the worst college quarterback of all time. But, you know, coming up against teams here that could actually throw the ball Um, Do you think we see somewhat of of movement in that position? Do you think we see, you know, we talked about how they have kind of a, a, you know, a depth at safety. They have guys like Cam Martinez and Lathan Ransom who are kind of, you know, Swiss Army knives in the back end of the secondary. Do we think there's a chance we see either of those guys get some reps at corner to maybe help out in that Ohio State secondary? Or do you think that, you know, they just kind of keep doing what they're doing? They hope that the guys they already have improve and they kind of just go from there. I'm, I'm interested to see if we see any of those other guys get some reps if, you know, maybe Jordan Hancock doesn't help out or whatnot.
1: It's tough. I I honestly don't think we see guys rotating from safety. I think that Cam Martinez, maybe even a Tanner McAllister, has that ability. But a boundary corner is still a boundary corner. It's a a different skill set. It's not something you practice all the time. It's not something you're used to if you're not playing it every day, in my opinion. So while I think there are some guys that are capable, uh, no, I don't think we see them move over. Maybe... They play more of like a traditional nickel role as opposed to any sort of like roving free safety to help support, especially if a team's going three, four wide, something like that. But I think where we will see some combinations is with the hopeful eventual health of Jordan Hancock and the continued ascension of JKlyn Johnson, J.K Johnson. I think that he has performed admirably, specifically J.K Johnson. In the other guys' absence, I would not be surprised to take him to see him take over as this starter opposite Denzel Burke. And as for Jordan Hancock, if he's everything he's cracked up to be, maybe he becomes your new next starter. But it might take him a bit to acclimate. He is essentially a true freshman when it comes to playing college football on the field at that position. But we think that he was the third guy going into the season. I am hopeful that he is that guy. I think he could be. I was really high on him as a recruit. But I think we continue to see some rotation. El Burke's spot is solidified because he has played better recently. And he was lights out last year. I mean, he was great. He was a freshman All-American. He's just not gotten out of the blocks too well this year. But I don't know what the answer is, though, Gene. I could be completely wrong. But what I do know is they have to get it figured out because eventually they're going to go up against a guy or a couple of guys who can really put it on them and go for eight, nine, ten catches, 150 yards. So I don't know what you know. What's your opinion?
0: I I'm interested a little bit in Jair Brown. Um, he's probably the guy we've seen the least of the three guys we mentioned between you know between Burke, uh, Burke, Cam Brown, and you know and J.K. Johnson. We've seen probably mostly those three guys at corner. Um we haven't seen a ton of Jair Brown, but even that being said, you know, he's second on the team with two pass breakups and he's also got Credited with a forced I was just going to say
1: that. I mean, I don't know yeah. if I'm sad or excited about that. Yeah,
0: he's also credited with a forced fumble here. Maybe you know, I would like to see him get some more reps. I mean, I don't see why not. You know, it's not like any of these other guys are really playing so well that they have to stay on the field. So I don't know how it could hurt, especially if it, you know, if it's a game that's out of hand or you know, it's a game where it's not a team that really likes to pass. Get him some reps. Get him some you know, real starting reps and see what he could do. You know, and another guy like Ryan Turner. You know, Turner had we have seen him make a nice play on a sack on a corner blitz. We haven't really seen him much in coverage. Get. These guys, some reps. You know, it can't hurt. You know, Denzel Burke and, and Cam Brown are your starters coming into the season, but you don't like, you know, you don't owe really much anything thing to them. Like you said, you know, Denzel Burke was a legit star last year, so you kind of hope he just rounds into form and that his spot is solidified. But let some of these other guys play and see what you have out there.
1: I want to defend Cam Brown, too, real quick. I don't know what to expect from him. I think the expectations were a little unfair because of his experience, but you look at 2018 and 2020, he played one game. In the other two seasons combined, 19 and 21, he played a total of 17. So, yes, we know he's experienced, but maybe our expectations were too high. That being said, maybe it's just a temporary struggle that he's going through. He had seven pass breakups and an interception last year. Like He was no slouch, and especially... Towards the end of the season, he played well. So I go back to cornerback just being a really difficult position to play. You even see the best in the NFL. They get burned from time to time, and they go through these rough patches. Hopefully that's you know what is going on for Cam Brown. I'm not willing to give up on him, but I'm also not willing to say that he is the week-in, week-out starter once some of these other guys are healthy and or you know just acclimated to playing college football more.
0: Yeah, and kind of like we said, if, you know, if Ohio State coaches these guys to just turn their heads around, I think a lot of them will look better than they've they've looked to this point. It's not it's not a matter of them being burnt or like missing guys. It's just that they're not playing the ball well. So if that improves, then hopefully the cornerback play should improve. Um the one other question I have on the defensive side of the ball, Josh, is that is this kind of what we're gonna, ex- what we should expect from this Ohio State defense the rest of the way is this just not a team that's gonna put up big sack numbers? Is this just a defensive line that's built better to stop the run than to rush the pass, or are we gonna see guys like J T Tunilowo and Jack Sawyer start to put up the big sack numbers that we you know sort of expected coming into 2022?
1: I feel like that's almost a trick question. I know that's not your intent, but I, I look at the schedule and I'm like, well, they don't have to be anything other than that what they have already been against Iowa. Northwestern a couple other schools but no to really answer your question I think that this rush defense is absolutely unequivocally 100% the real deal so I think they're going to have success against an Iowa against the Northwestern schools like that when they go up against Maryland Penn State um obviously Michigan I believe that the pass rush will eventually start to get home with some sort of regularity. That's my hope. Um, I, I look at those teams in a similar manner to how I looked at, at Michigan State. I think because the run defense is so good, they can for, Ohio State can force opponents to become one-dimensional. And at this point, I would say that to Aaliyah Tagovailoa, Sean Clifford, and J.J. McCarthy are just – they're more skilled. They're playing at a higher level than Peyton Thorne. And we saw that he was able to move the ball a couple of times. If Ohio state is able to limit the effectiveness of what those teams can do on the ground, it will force them to throw the ball a little bit more. I think they're better at it, but also that means that Ohio state will have additional opportunities to get to the quarterback, maybe force some interceptions, maybe step it up. So I know that's a sort of a word salad in answering your question, but it's really going to come down to opponent, in my opinion. How about you?
0: Yeah, and I think the interesting part here is that even with those those higher end opponents, you know, you really circle the Penn State Mission games on your calendar at this point. I think Ohio State's defense is probably more focused on stopping the run versus those teams anyway. You know, you look at the strengths of those two offenses, Penn State, you know, Sean Clifford is what he is, but you know, Nick Singleton and their stable of running backs are all really, really good. You look at Michigan with Blake Corm, what he's been doing this season. And so even going into those two games, while those two quarterbacks between Clifford and McCarthy are better throwers than Ohio State has seen so far this season, I still think both of those offenses are at their best when they're able to run the football. So even if, you know, Ohio State's Defense is, you know, struggling a bit against the pass. I still think that the focus going into those games is going to be to stop the run, force those guys to throw, force them into some bad decisions. And I think that Ohio State will be happy, even if they're not getting the sack numbers, if they're forcing those guys to make quicker throws than they want to, to throw the ball away, to throw into some, you know, to make into making some mistakes. I think they're happy with that. So I don't think, you know, Jim Knowles is going out there. Obviously, he wants to have more sacks. He said it himself, you know, he wants the numbers to look better, but. I think at the end of the day, if you're getting, you know, if you're at least getting pressure on the quarterback, you're, you know, you're making them make some bad decisions. I think that goes a long way. And even if the sack numbers don't come, I think that that's still doing your job as a defensive lineman.
1: Yeah. For me, it comes down to, are they being effective? And I think that they are, they're not getting home. They're not getting the sacks, but they are impacting the game in a positive manner. So I think that will continue. And hopefully they, they you almost feel bad for them, right? Because you see JT two him allow, Uber recruit, five-star guy, didn't have much of a, a preseason last year. Did this year, and through six games, he has seven tackles, but he has three tackles for loss. And like I said, he is held on seemingly every play. It's it's incredible. Two of Michael Hall Jr.'s uh, sacks against Michigan State were a direct result, in my opinion, of J.T. Malau setting the edge and getting held or getting held. So it's just sort of one of those odd things. But they're not being exposed and they're not letting teams sit back there all day and throw the ball. So you can't really have complaints, even if you just you wish they were getting to the quarterback a little bit more.
0: Yeah, and maybe, you know, the team's, you know, preparedness for J. Tumala and Jack Sawyer have allowed a guy like Mike Hall to maybe get in there. You know, one of those guys draws a double team. You got Mike Hall on single coverage. He gets a sack. So, yeah, I think a, lo- a lot goes into, you know, guys, a guy like J. Tumala opening the door for someone else to get a sack, even if he himself isn't getting it. Um, so I think that is a good point. Uh, the last question I had here, you know, going to the offensive side of the ball to look forward before we could kind of get out of here and, and enjoy the the off week. Um, looking at the offense, not a ton of question marks here, but I do wonder how this wide receiver group is going to look once Jackson Smith and Jigba returns. Obviously, you know, it's it's a great problem to have to have one of the nation's, if not the nation's best wide receiver coming back after missing the first half of the year, mostly, um, but what do you do if you're Ohio State here? I mean, the obvious, you know, I, I think that at this point it's pretty obvious that Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. have have separated themselves as the top two receivers in this room. But Julian Fleming has done a great job since getting healthy so far this season. He's got the five touchdowns; that's third on the team behind only those other two guys. Um, and I, I think he's a valuable part of this rotation. So I don't know, like, who do you who comes off the field for Jack Smith and Jigba? Do we see? Uh, you know, obviously, I think at this point Jack Smith and Jigba is going to play every snap when he's healthy. I don't think he's going to be a guy that rotates out maybe to get a breather here and there, but he's not a guy that's going to be, you know, sitting on the bench for an entire series is Julian Fleming going to be kind of a victim of JSN coming back or kind of, what do you think? Do you think we see more rotation at wide receiver? What do you think the, that Ohio state does Brian Hartline does with these guys once they're all healthy?
1: I will not allow Julian Fleming to become the victim of any sort of um, negative rotation, but gosh, it's a hell of a question, Gene, because There's only one ball to go around, right? JSN had 95 catches. No, uh, I I forget his total last year. I wish I had it in front of me right now. But um, he was CJ Stroud's go-to guy, his trusted guy, and you assume that that carried over to this year. And unfortunately, he got banged up. But it's going to be hard to pull any of those guys off the field. I think that I think you could see one of two things. The first one. This might seem sort of silly. I wonder if Ohio State's offense becomes even better and more explosive. Like, do they just go four wide and run the ball out of absolute necessity and just go banana land? Like, you know, spread them out, throw them out 500 yards per game. I think it's actually a possibility because of, you know, the talent that you have within that group. But the other possibility, which I think is more likely – I think we will see some sort of rotation, and I do not think that JSN will be out there each and every snap, just because at this point, they don't have to. And if you want to, look, you and I behind the scenes and a a number of us have wondered aloud, is Ryan Day kind of taking the NBA approach of load management? And look, I, I don't know if he is or if he's not, but if he wanted to, or if that's something that he kind of leans towards... He can absolutely with this wide receiver group when they're all healthy. So that would not surprise me in the least bit. I think that JSN, when he gets out there, will be JSN. But if you want to protect all of these guys and cap their reps, um, I-, I think you can do that. It might be awkward for a game or two. I hope not, but it's a good problem to have, but it's at least a curious not problem situation, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Just going back here, uh, JSN 95 oh. catches last year for over 1600 yards. So okay, yeah. pretty significant haul for him. And yeah, you know, you're bringing that guy back. He's, he's the top wide receiver in the country projected to be the first, you know, wide receiver taken in this year's draft, you know, and if he does, you know, he obviously hasn't played much this year, but if he puts up numbers now, he's not going to put up the same numbers, but if he looks as good as he did last year, that's obviously still going to be the case. And so, yeah, I and mean, he might not, they don't need him to be out there for every drive. Maybe they do do a sort of load management for him as the season goes on. Maybe he plays a lot more against Ohio state's bigger opponents. You know, Maybe he only plays a quarter or two against Iowa or as needed or against teams like that. But yeah, I think it, like you said, it's a good problem to have. You have four legitimate wide receiver, one candidates on any other football team in the country. that all just happen to play for Ohio state. Maybe Kate Silver. Let me turn it
1: around for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Let me turn it around for a second. Like, is there anything stopping Ohio state from running four wide on each and every down? Do they have to run the ball to be successful or can they just go off on every opponent or, is that taking away from the like good balance they've had thus far?
0: Yeah, I, I think Ryan Day is pretty steadfast and always having a tight end on the field, you know, just because, you know, kind of like you just alluded to there with the balance, like if, if you're going five wide every play, like teams know you're not going to run. Um, and also your running game isn't going to be as effective, at least if you have the tight end there, you know, the threat to run is there. It also gives you another, you know, potential blocker or receiving option there. So I think Ryan Day likes having the tight end there for, to call his offense for his, his specific type of game plan. So I don't think we're going to see. I mean, we'll definitely see some five wide this season from Ohio State. I just don't think we'll see it as like the base formation or As you know, their prominent formation that Ohio State does, even though they do have the the wide receiver talent to do it. Um, You know, the other thing that goes into this, too, is that, you know, guys like Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. do have another year that they have to stay at Ohio State, whereas JSN is is almost certainly gone at the end of the year. So, you know, those guys, even if they do have to take a bench here and there, you know they're coming back next year. You're going to have a full another full season of them. So maybe you try to use JSN a little bit more while you have them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it could go either way, but like we both said, you know, having the, the world's best wide receiver coming back to your, to your team and in, in the middle of the season is certainly not a bad thing. And, and like we both said, you know, it might not, it, it could be a bit of a timeshare. They might not use him in every single snap that they don't need to and, and stuff like that. But I think overall, um, I think they much, would all go yeah. for it
1: too. Just really quickly. I, they seem like an unselfish group. They're a brotherhood. So if you presented that sort of timeshare opportunity, I don't think that they would have any issue with that or let that affect their play.
0: No, at the end of the day, at the day, these guys are competitors. They want to win football games. They're going to do what's best to help the team win. Now, they're all going to be, you know, these guys. If they continue to play they, the way play the way they are, you know, no matter no, their numbers aren't going to matter. People see how good they are on the field. They're all going to be high NFL draft picks when their time comes. So I don't think that's an issue at all. Um, but yeah, I think that's a pretty you know pretty comprehensive look at Ohio State's you know season thus far. What we're expecting moving forward. Uh, obviously, some of the biggest games on the schedule are still to come up. But this week we're we're enjoying the bye week. There's some other good games on tap for Ohio State fans to watch as they kind of get to take the weekend off, relax, not have to worry about their team. Come back against Iowa, then you got the Penn State game, and we'll we'll kind of take it from there. But I think so far so good, and you know I'm looking forward to what happens the rest of the way.
1: Absolutely, and this turned into a marathon, Gene. But I, I think we both feel pretty damn good about this team and where they're at in really every facet
0: this did wind up going a bit longer than we expected but i think it was a good time it was fun we got a lot we've had a lot to talk about um be sure to check out all of our written content over at landgrantholyland.com be sure to like rate if you subscribe all the good stuff all the podcasts as you do and for josh dooley i am gene ross and as always go bucks